0: they asked like
1: Yeah. <laughs> Pros proved that personalization works better than off-the-shelf alternatives. Try it for yourself and get your healthiest hair in 30 days or your money back.
0: Pros is so confident that you'll love your results that they're offering our listeners an exclusive trial offer so you can see the difference custom care can make. 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com/justbreakup. That's p r o s e.com/justbreakup for your free consultation and and 50% off your one-of-a-kind formulas, pros.com slash justbreakup. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey, Head and Heart Workers, two quick announcements before we get this show going. This weekend is Valentine's Day weekend, and Sunday the 13th, we're going to do an Instagram live over on our Instagram. We were going to do a live show, but I dropped the ball, right, Sam? Whoops. <laughs>
1: yep, mm-hmm. you had it in your hand and then you you didn't even drop it you I've just like never turned really away from it <laughs> <So>. <laughs> you're,
0: like,
1: you're like what I don't remember saying that
0: yeah instead we're gonna do an Instagram live so you can come and hang out with us on our Instagram
1: absolutely it's gonna be February 13th that's a Sunday at 2 p.m. Central time, so 3 p.m. Eastern, and then like y'all can figure out the other time zones because yeah, like that's 8 p.m. too much for me. Yeah, it's in England, <laughs> I
0: think, so maybe we can get some international folks. Uh, and it's before the Super Bowl, so like even if you yes. want to participate in both, it should be a-okay. And then second announcement is to make up for my, me dropping the ball, we are going to do a March live show on Sunday the 6th. Uh, I'm thinking of it as like a spring break live show show
1: <laughs> great i love it it will not be spring in minnesota but that's fine
0: <laughs> maybe it'll be like a podcast host gone wild theme i don't know Ooh, yeah. fun
1: okay i'll wear a tropical shirt that sounds great sweet
0: i won't wear a shirt at all <laughs> just kidding oh perfect i will be eight months pregnant so <laughs> anyway so that is on the sixth sunday the sixth of march
1: absolutely you can get your tickets to that event at our website justbreakuppod.com and there will be a special discount for folks who are Patreon subscribers. So if you have been waiting to find a good reason to subscribe to our Patreon, this is it. $5 a month. You get an additional bonus weekly episode as well as discounts on this event. That's patreon.com justbreakup You can get tickets to our live show at justbreakuppod.com.
0: Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra Demolder,
1: and I'm Sam Blackwell. And this week, we're going to tackle topics like no dogs allowed, <laughs> hygiene, and Miss Independent, mm-hmm. famous song by Kelly Clarkson. Who is Who a diva? Is a
0: diva. <laughs> <laughs> there was a big debate in our small friend group about whether or not Kelly Clarkson was a diva, and we were like, "She's obviously a diva." So that's sorry Friend, that was an many people thing. disagreed
1: everyone else disagreed with us but but <laughs> i had felt like i dug in because you were dug in and i was like i gotta support sierra on this one even though i'm like no. a little bit on the fence so like it's fine
0: okay fine all right we'll talk about that <laughs> off air anyway keep going
1: um yes but before we begin we just want to give you our surgeon general's warning which is that we are not licensed mental health practitioners therapists family Relationship counselors, anything of the sort. We're just two people who had enough money to buy microphones, and yep. then y'all get to listen to us. Yep,
0: uh, and who think Kelly Clarkson is a diva. Hypothetically, <laughs> I feel like I've been misled the last couple months. <laughs> so please take our advice as our as you see fit. We are just here to offer our humble musings to hopefully shed some understanding and maybe some laughs on the incredibly rewarding but mostly confusing experience that is love. All right, Sam, before we get into this this week's check-in topic, you had a quick announcement about this week's Head & Heart Work interview.
1: Yes, absolutely. So we have another Head & Heart Work conversation coming out on Thursday, the 10th 10th of February. So this Thursday, if you're listening in real time, um, I'm really excited about this one because these two people that we're interviewing uh, who are Alfonso Wenker and Trina Olson are two of my good friends. They are also happen to be my bosses because I work for the <laughs> company that they started. Um, and they are practitioners in the field of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, their organization team dynamics is really focused on changing the way that we go to work so that we can be nicer to each other and be kinder to each other and how we approach our work and, um, And it was great to be able to talk to them and think about ways in which the the sort of world of diversity equity and inclusion thinking about like how we can be less racist and how we can be less gendered and sexist in our thinking intersects with dating Mm. and like how that plays out Mm -hmm. um they're just like delightful people to talk to as well they're like super smart and super engaging and funny um and i thought it was a really great conversation so i'm excited for y'all to hear them and to like get to know them more Because they're rock stars in their field and they're just like really great friends and bosses. So I'm super happy that we got to interview them.
0: It was a super fun conversation. And Trina is, um, we got permission to share that she is the person who created the PowerPoint of herself and sent it to all of her friends when she was single.
1: Yes. She's like, I'm ready to date. I made a PowerPoint of myself. I also have a recording of me going through the PowerPoint (laughs) to add more context. So feel free to send this to people. And it was Wonderful. And we talk
0: about that on the episode as well, so you can find that <clears throat> this Thursday on our primary feed. So for our check-in topic today, um, we're going to do the second installment. I didn't give this like segment a name, but y'all liked it so much. You, I, we got a ton of DMs of folks saying they enjoyed it, and we got people sending us Instagrams to... Rate. So this is this segment <laughs> that I introduced like a month ago that was Sam and I rating and responding to hashtag relationship advice that I found on Instagram. <laughs> mm-hmm. I love it. Thank you. Um, and the best thing was like not like I said, not only did we get some good feedback about people enjoying it, but y'all sent us a couple that I'm going to respond to. So the first one is from a DM. And it's from an account called marriage underscore happies. Happy spelled H A P P Y S. Okay? Okay. Do not teach a man how to be a man. I'm already over it. (laughs) Do not ask him to show you off. Do not ask him to text you. Do not ask him to care about you. Do not ask him to bring you random flowers. Do not ask him to plan dates. The right one will know exactly what to do and when to do it. Rating, zero to (laughs) ten.
1: zero no
0: yeah i was gonna say like one I know. Uh, one because it's like a pretty color <laughs> oh like nice, i haven't like, seen that color i didn't get to see it yeah Ooh,
1: that's a great color to, to put Tell on me the, your feelings the background on this of that one. nonsense um yeah no we can't have the expectation that people know how we want to be treated or right. what what speaks well to us or you know like I think, again, it's like one of those things where I was like, I think the idea behind like, don't settle for people not doing the things that are nice to you, right? You know, like don't don't settle, like if you have to ask over and over again for like the bare minimum, like that's not a good relationship for you. But like, how would your partner know that you like surprise flowers unless you like tell them yeah. that you like surprise flowers, yeah. right? How would your partner know that you want them to like text you often? If you're not like clear about what your asks around texting are, right? Like there's nothing wrong with being explicit in a relationship about what you want or what you need. And there's nothing wrong with not knowing intuitively what your partner wants or needs either
0: that is what I come back to again and again because you know the age old phrase of like you don't know what you don't know I have just my mind has been so expanded over the last 10 years with just small pieces of knowledge that I've gotten from direct experience you know Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. I think that it's impossible to ask people to read our minds it makes it impossible to be a, par- a a perfect receiving partner, and it makes us it impossible for us to be a perfect giving partner. We will never know. We will never know hundred percent. Like it really, I, it
1: sets us up for failure. Yeah, and it makes the it makes it seem like asking for what you need or want is like somehow bad or naughty, which yes. it's not. Right. Yes. Being really clear about like oh, I'm not feeling super loved in this moment. Like here are, can you do some things to help me feel it in this way? Yes. Like that's a great thing to say, right? It's not, you're not training your man how to be a man. You are like approaching your partner with the realization that they have very different experiences and understanding of what love looks like. And you're trying to find a way to like, come to some sort of shared understanding of it right right?
0: totally because that's the that that is the at the at the core of this it's not only okay not to know what people want it's okay to ask for what you need you know yeah and it's okay to ask
1: what people want too right yeah to be like how do you experience love oh it's through surprise flowers cool I can do that but like thank you for telling me and not just like saying I'm not a man because I don't know that intuitively
0: yeah totally All right. Next one. Uh I think another listener DM'd this to us. This is from someone named Jason Gaddis and it reads, The challenge of deep partnership, colon. Vulnerability is required in an ongoing way, yet it is the last thing you want to do when you feel hurt by your partner.
1: Mm, oh, that is true. I think yeah. that, that I know that resonates. I
0: would give it eight, 10, nine, 10. Yeah, Yeah.
1: For sure. Yeah. I mean I think it's I think it's really true that when we're hurt, the thing that we least want to do is be vulnerable. But that is also like one of the ways that we can find healing in that hurt is by showing our wound and being like, look what this did.
0: (laughs) Yeah, totally. I also think about like what we, when we're hurt, our instinct is either often to like either make our hurt smaller or swallow it or lash mm-hmm. out and make our hurt even bigger that the yeah. vulnerability is being like, there's vulnerability in saying a, you hurt me and B I understand that you didn't mean to, or I understand that you're just human or, you know, like not instantly forgiving the hurt, but like there's, there's even vulnerability in forgiveness, you know, mm-hmm. cause there's not, there's a bigger power play to me to lashing out. You know, um, yeah. So I agree with this person. Great. Yeah. Okay. Next one. In, this is from stronger underscore marriages.
1: <laughs> cool, cool, cool.
0: In marriage, dot, 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 no other person should have the same connection to you as your spouse.
1: Um, <laughs> I think I don't understand the central conceit of this statement <laughs> like, what are you trying to say like of course you're not going to have the same connection with anyone else because like right you're all different people right <laughs> so like you know i could have like a deep romantic and sexual connection with a person who's not peter and it would still be different than my relationship right well, like i, that's right? Like, I, I could thinking. still be cheating on him and it would be a still be a very different relationship between each other <laughs> like, well and even I mean?
0: you know i i think i think that what they're trying to say is that connection should be the I I don't know the most the most of it all or like nobody should have access to you the way your spouse has access to you intimately physically emotionally spiritually I don't know that's what I think they're implying Um, which like okay I'll give you three points for that you know not not three points for like I get why you're saying that. (laughs) Okay. But negative seven points. Like I give this a three out of 10 because like I have an, I have what I consider to be an intimate and an important relationship with you. I have Mm -hmm. an intimate and important relationship with Spencer, with my family Mm -hmm. members. And my relationship with my spouse is also an intimate and important one. Obviously she is like my best friend and the person I spend the most time with, but also Mm -hmm. like I'm not, I don't know if it behooves us to rank this because like ultimately maybe I shouldn't give them those three points because ultimately the point that they're trying to make, (laughs) I disagree with.
1: (laughs) For sure. It also like, of course is a very monogamist point of view too. Right. Like, and again, it's just so, (laughs) it's just so weirdly worded in the fact that like this relationship should never be, should be like, there should be nothing like it. And it's like, yeah, because no relationships are the same. That's what I'm
0: trying to say. Yeah, 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 (laughs) Even if you're in
1: like, even if you're in like a poly relationship where you have like, maybe even like equal partners, right? Like you're in a triad, like your relationships with both of those people are still going to be different. Yeah. So like, yeah, I mean, I fundamentally agree that like, that (laughs) relationship should be very different.
0: (laughs) I'll still say three out of 10 because I'm like, yeah, my relationship with my wife is very different and is on, I have no connection like it. But like,
1: right. But also expecting your partner to never have deep or meaningful friendships with anyone besides you or deeper meaningful relationships, sexual, otherwise, right. Like opening up the idea of like what a relation, what a marriage can look like is fundamentally, I think problematic because then it's like, we get into this really possessive thing. Like I own all of your relationships. I own your intimacy. You can't Mm -hmm. have it with anyone else. Mm -hmm. Right. Which is not to say that people should be like doing things outside of the parameters of the relationship. But again, like there's a, there's a balance here. And I think sometimes we skew one way or the other. Yeah,
0: And we're talking about like the whole point of this segment is like talking about messaging that we see again and again, and then subconsciously implement in our relationships, you know? Mm -hmm. Oh my God, my boyfriend has a really close, like a, a, a 10 year long close friendship with a female That's going to feel really threatening with a female. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. I never talk like that. (laughs) I I was role playing, guys. (laughs) Yeah, I got it. Got it. Um, Okay. (laughs) Anyway, um, next one. Uh, From a account called Heartbeat Quote. uh, And this one is is a good one. Women fuck who they want. Men (laughs) fuck who they can. Remember that.
1: Oh, Jesus Christ.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. I just, I saw that. And I was like, well, man, this is what I'm talking about. This is what, this is what spawned this whole segment to me. Cause I'd be like looking for memes to post on our account and I'd be scrolling through and I'd see stuff like that and just think like, wow, there's so much damage. <laughs> you know, there's so much damage in this tiny little square.
1: <gasps> that's like a, that's a big wound. Yeah, for sure. exactly. <laughs> right. Yes. Um,
0: we don't, I don't even know if we have. <laughs>
1: I don't know what to even unpack there
0: (laughs) like gender or or like puritism you know like our
1: our issues of consent in that too (laughs) like women fuck who they want like what (laughs) and men fuck who they can what
0: yeah I'll give that no, one a zero. No, no.
1: The zero, <laughs> zero that is like that is causing active harm I think
0: okay here's an interesting one the next one this is from Jordan Traveler SLCSW so I think that's social work potentially Sorry, Spencer. I don't
1: know. We don't, I don't have a degree in anything, so.
0: (laughs) I'm second guessing myself and I tried to click on the account, but it's a screenshot. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, guys. (laughs) Uh, Okay. So anyway, um, this person writes, healthy relationships will never ask us to change while our partner stays the same. Hmm. I know it's, it's pause worthy. Yeah. I know. Okay. I know. Yes. <laughs> that was a perfect, perfect response. Cause I feel the way too. Cause I, I want to be like, no. And then I'm like, well, I think, yeah.
1: I think that there's elements of that, that I, I appreciate Like this idea that we're all, we're changing and, and we're, that like and our job teammates. is to change together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. um, And the job isn't for one of us to say the same and the other to change or for one of us to even ask. For everything to stay the same because that's impossible like I think that yeah. there's there's good stuff in there yeah
0: and what I like about it is when I picture this when I like muscle through this I what I'm imagining is you know change doesn't always have to look like huge change behavior change can look like a shift in mm-hmm. perspective a shift yep. in anticipations, expectations, a right. shift in um, how you show your love language. You know, like when we, when I first see this, I'm, I I see the phrase, ask us to change. And all of a sudden, you know, those red flags come up of like, you know, that's asking so much or whatever but I'm remembering like how much great relationship work I've done in my partnerships. That's just about getting on the same page, which is just a conversation, which is just a, you know, an opportunity to be vulnerable and say, I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't think of that. I'll think of that next time. And that's change right there.
1: For sure. No, absolutely. And I love the idea of in a relationship, it's not solely one person's job to flex towards the other person too. Right? Like, there may be instances where it's kind of hard and fast and like that can be okay. But in general, like the expectation should be that we're both flexing towards each other rather than saying one person gets to to be comfortable all the time and the other person has to meet them where they're at.
0: Yes. Okay. That was fun. And I will do that again in like a couple months.
1: Cool. Let's get
0: into our letters.
1: Okay. Let's do it. This letter comes from puppy love whose pronouns are she, her, who is writing from the dog house. Dear Sam and Sierra, the deal is this. I want a dog and my girlfriend does not. Maybe this doesn't sound like a big deal, but the topic has become so taboo in our relationship that I have no idea how to move forward with this conversation. And I'm really hoping that you two can offer your perspective because I'm truly feeling at a bit of a loss of how to deal with it. The backstory, my girlfriend and I, queer women, early thirties, have been together for three years. We don't live together, which suits us. And we split our time between each other's apartments. We love each other very much. And in many ways, we are a good fit. We make each other laugh. We support each other. The sex is great. Except for this one thing, which almost feels silly to say out loud, because my friends with whom I have talked or with whom I have tried to talk about this with find it hard to sympathize with my girlfriend's (laughs) point of view, given that loving animals is kind of a cultural norm. Which leads to my feeling like I have to defend my girlfriend. Even when I'm pleading my own pro-dog stance, I want a dog because it's been a lifelong dream. I grew up with animals, and having animals in my life feels like a core part of my identity. I'm finally in a position where I can make it happen. I'm financially stable, work from home permanently, not just because of COVID, and live in a dog-friendly apartment and neighborhood. My girlfriend did not grow up with animals. Where she comes from, the streets are overrun with cats and dogs. And her parents view animals as disease-carrying vermin. Hmm. My girlfriend doesn't exactly share their opinion. She thinks animals are sweet, but she is grossed out by the idea of fur in the house, the smell of dog food, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. She says she absolutely does not want a dog in her apartment and that she'd struggle to visit me in my own place where there would be fur everywhere. The thing is, is that when we met three years ago, owning a dog felt like a far off dream, something I wasn't sure would ever happen in the next five years, let alone three. We were both traveling a lot, I was living in a flat chair, and had a job that required me to be in the office nine hours a day. So while I expressed my love for animals, it never felt like a salient thing we had to dwell on. My girlfriend has also admitted that she's scared she would come second in our relationship because of how much she knows I would dote on the dog. I have tried to assuage her fears, I like to keep my apartment tidy, and I've emphasized that I'd be happy to vacuum multiple times a day, as well as having a strict pet cleaning routine, paws wiped down before entry, feeding food outside to avoid the smell of dog food in the house, no dog on the couch, etc., etc., and that my relationship with her is too important to ignore her in favor of spending all my time with a dog, and she is still convinced it would make her horribly unhappy to have to share me and her life with a dog. Consequently, the few times that I've tried to have this conversation, it has ended in tears with her telling Mm. me that the moment I decide to get a dog, it's over. I asked why we would need to finish our relationship before a dog even arrives, and she has replied that she knows herself too well and that there's no point in hoping that she'd change her mind once a dog is here because she knows she won't. End of story. I have basically been left with an ultimatum, adopt a dog and finish my relationship or keep my relationship sans dog but I cannot bring myself to believe that 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 an otherwise healthy and happy relationship would come to an end over this. I don't really know what it is that I want to ask you except to hope that you might offer some insight into a perspective or solution that I might be missing. I feel so sad. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for all that you do. Puppy love.
0: Thank you so much for writing, um, and listening, and for trusting us with this question, Puppy Love. Uh, I wanted to start by saying, like, I am a dog owner. I love dogs. I'm a dog person. So this would be a stressor for me. This would also this would feel the way it feels to you to me. Meaning, it would be like really stressful but also like wouldn't necessarily make sense like my relationship is going to end because you don't want to you know like it wouldn't compute to me immediately so i just want to say like i feel you on all of that and also if we take your relationship to dogs out of the equation and view this as like an explicit incompatibility or an explicit boundary that she has expressed repeatedly for example like something else for example somebody who says they want to live in the country and they don't want to live in the city and they know Mm. this thing about themselves. Then it comes, you know, or you want to travel and they don't want to travel. You know, they're a homebody. They don't want to spend their life and their money that way. It comes down to assessing within yourself, this lifelong dream and the weight of it. Like it's, it might, I think there's some confusion in this letter because in your mind, you're like, it's a dog. A, a dog is going to end my relationship, a dog, mm-hmm. you know, and <clears throat> yeah. I feel that too, because I would be totally torn. I would be totally torn <laughs> if sure. somebody was like, I don't want another dog in my life or whatever. Um, but that's all, that is your and I's relationship to dogs. That is your and I's ease at which we would introduce a dog in our life. And mm-hmm. I think it helps if we, if we pretend this is not about dogs and this is about like, another more universally accepted compatibility issue i don't know can you think of an example that like is would be a little bit more clear-cut than this
1: yeah i mean i think it's like kids or no kids or like getting married or not getting married like these are big lifestyle decisions that y'all are making um but i mean also like where you want to live great another great example too of like do you want to move to the small town? Do you want to live in the city? If that is like, if you have a lifelong dream of living in the city and the person that you're with is like, I don't want to. I'm much more happy in my in my world in this small town that we live in. Like, that's a core comp- incompatibility. And it's not an incompatibility.
0: Know- sorry, Sorry, Sam. It's not an incompatibility that means ending the relationship. You just have to then think, can I what is the weight of this lifelong goal? You know, do I feel fulfilled at my, in this small town? Can I visit the city and get the same thing? You know, Mm -hmm. sorry, Mm -hmm. continue.
1: No, absolutely. Like there are workarounds here, but it is important to recognize that this is a core compatibility, incompatibility in a lot of ways. And I know that there are going to be listeners who are like your friends who are like, it's a dog. Like everyone loves dogs. Dogs are really great. And I, Am a dog person, to be clear. <laughs> like I really like dogs. Like you can see videos of me and Opal like cuddling on the ground yeah. and like she me was falling really over to be so to excited see him. to see her. Right. <laughs> like I love dogs. And I also know that this sort of like socialization that a lot of people have around dogs are like man's best friend and that like everyone loves dogs isn't true. Right. And there are lots of people who feel who feel skittish around dogs because of trauma that they've experienced. Culturally, dogs are not universally loved, right? And there are a lot mm-hmm. of sort of feelings about, as you describe in your letter too, there are lots of feelings about dogs as being clean or unclean. And so I know that you're really hung up on the idea of like, it's about a dog. Like, I don't understand why we can't get it together, but it's important for us to continue to remind ourselves that the, the things that we might take as universal or the things that we might take as like not big deals are actually really grounded in our cultural socialization, right? Are grounded in the media we consume and the stories that we're told and all of that. So yeah, I think that there are probably like a lot of Americans that are like, everyone loves dogs. Dogs are so, they all are so happy and healthy and everyone's so excited to see them. And they're right as Sierra's dogs are barking in the bathroom background. And we have to create space for the idea that like, that is not a universal truth that like, It's okay for people to not like dogs or to like not want them in their lives. And that doesn't make them weird or or unreasonable. Right. Right. It just means that they have a different understanding of what their life is going to look like and what their appreciation of these animals is. Right. And the other thing that I'll say to you about this is that I think that there's like a thing around dogs that's similar to a thing around babies, which is to say that it's like, well, once the once they're there, you're just going to love them. That's such a good point,
0: because I feel that way <laughs> I don't really feel that way but like I, that is just such a great analogy or connection um I don't actively think those thoughts um but I often think oh well if they met the right dog <laughs> you know and that's just right such no a it's like a, <laughs> it,
1: no absolutely it's like a really common trope of like oh that woman doesn't want to have a baby but then she She's, holds the baby yeah, in uh-huh. her arms and suddenly like her maternal instinct turns on which yeah. is like not a true story like that might happen sometimes but like there are people who just don't (laughs) want babies or don't want to be around babies and there are also people who don't want to be around dogs yeah like as weird as that might seem to to people who love dogs and and so i say that all to like not try and like dismiss your desire to have a dog because i think your desire to have a dog is equally as valid and rich and important as her desire to not want a dog in her life I say that in a way to to help understand that this core compatibility isn't like or incompa- incompatibility isn't necessarily like as ridiculous as you right. might be thinking it is. Right. That's why
0: I started the way I, that's yeah. why I started the response in the way that I did, because I feel like we need to make this a valid incompatibility in order to approach it and assess it for what it is. Right. Not, Oh my God, we're going to break up over a dog. It's, Oh my God, are we going to break up over this life dream that I want to fulfill, which is a valid reason to separate, to be honest, it's, it's not like, I know it sounds wild to say, Oh, we broke up because I wanted a dog, and she didn't. but it's it's we know we you and I and Sam know that it's more nuanced than that, right that the, there are misaligned life goals or whatever. Hmm? Or you can say, you know what? I really want a dog, but I respect your your choices and I'm gonna see if I can meet you in the middle, like volunteering or I don't know, you couldn't really foster. but um, you know, there are other ways to have access to dogs. Maybe there are other animals that you're interested in, things mm-hmm. like that. I'm not saying that this isn't confusing and hard. Like if 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 my partner said to me, I want to go live in like the Alaskan bush wilderness, <laughs> you know, uh-huh. and I said, I want to be close to a coffee shop, you know, <laughs> I would feel deeply... And this was like the love of my life or this was the this is a person who I had an otherwise phenomenal relationship with who makes me laugh. We have great sex. Everything you said, you know, I would have I would I would judge myself for prioritizing whatever over
1: the love of your life. Yeah,
0: (laughs) yes, but I think it's comparable. I I, I said coffee, but I really meant like um,
1: access to city, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm
0: -hmm. So. I guess at the end of the day, I just want you to know, like, your desires to have a dog are valid. Your partner's desires not to have a dog are also valid. And your stress Mm -hmm. about this whole situation, the idea that, like, your relationship hangs in the balance, like, that's... It's a reasonable thing to be stressed over. Um, Mm -hmm. And I don't think that Sam and I have, like an actual answer for you? Because I think you need to do some soul searching in terms of, for example, living in the Alaskan wilderness or living in the city. Like what is this going to mean for your life? And can you find authentic happiness in either of these routes? You know what I mean?
1: Right. Right. Yeah. And I'm, I am sorry that your girlfriend has given you this ultimatum. Cause like that's, she's been really explicit about her boundary around this. Yeah. Um, And while I don't, necessarily agree with it right in my own experience like it doesn't seem like getting a dog would be that much of a big deal i also respect it because like i can respect and empathize with something that i don't understand yeah and your girlfriend has been really clear about the idea that this is a no-go for her and i'm sorry that that's happening i'm sorry that that it's like that your sort of lines in the sand are drawn so clearly in this moment yeah um but i i I want to create space for both of you to say, like, she is 100% valid in saying that this is a note, like a non-starter for her. You are 100% valid in saying this has been a lifelong dream. And you're both 100% valid in saying, like, this might be the thing that ends our relationship. Yeah. Right? Like, all of that is okay. And I think there, there may be some things where you could find a little bit of wiggle room and... It does seem like this is sort of like lines in the sand and now you have to make a decision of like which which direction you're going to go in here. Yeah. Um, which sucks. It totally yeah. sucks. Yeah. And I wish that it could be different. Um, But I think uh, accepting that reality rather than saying like, oh, if I just get a dog, maybe she'll learn to love it. Or like maybe we could like sneak a dog in and like she won't know. Right. Like, but instead being like, no, she's made this really clear. I'm really clear about what I want. So then what do we do in this yeah. incompatibility? I,
0: you just made me think of something like, what if we, what if we assess this as not a, a problem to be solved? What if we just radically accept these two truths? Mm-hmm. Like my girlfriend wants a dog. I don't want a dog. It's not my job to convince her to get a. I mean, it's not my job to convince her to get a, a dog. It's not mm-hmm. her job to convince me that I don't want one. But like right now in this impasse, it doesn't look like we're going to dog. (laughs) I don't know. Like uh, Mm -hmm. maybe there's just like a small perspective shift there that creates less friction and therefore allows you to access that authentic stir that tells you I can live with this or I can't live with this.
1: Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I think just looking at it for what it is. It's gonna be really helpful for you, as opposed to thinking like, what are the ways I could wiggle around this reality? Right, exactly. This is the reality, friends. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And and it feels gross to have to convince your partner, you know, to like you feel like you want to like trick them into something. You know what I mean? Like, oh, just come and meet this dog, (laughs) you know? Yeah. (laughs) Which like I which I would do.
1: (laughs) Just like conveniently run into many dogs on the walk and be like, isn't that one? No, I would orchestrate it all.
0: (laughs) All right. Uh, thank you so much for listening. We hope this helps. We know you're in between a rock and a hard place or a dog or no dog, which is hard. Um, Absolutely. But we love you and we hope this helps. We
1: love you. Thank you so much for writing.
0: whose pronouns are she, her, who is writing to us from the perfume department. Hi, Sam and Sierra. I have been waiting for two to three years to finally find a reason to write into JBU since I love each and every piece of the kind and smart advice that you hand out. I just didn't think it would be this thing that I would write about. <laughs> well, here it goes. I, in my early thirties, she, her, have been single for around three years and have been on and off the apps during that time. I've had many first dates and some short flings, and I've been feeling ready for a new love for quite some long, for quite some time. And finally, there's someone I seem to click with. He, him. We've been texting for a few weeks. He's incredibly responsive, funny, kind, smart, unconventional, anti toxic masculinity. Just great. We went out twice, talked for hours, and also made out a bit, which was nice. I generally feel very attracted to him, except... He does not smell good. I almost feel ashamed admitting this and that's why I need your help. I know it should not be shameful to be not perfect with body hygiene or laundry as it might even just be that he doesn't dry his clothes properly. I really don't want a small thing like this to keep me physically from connecting with someone I could totally fall in love with. I just don't know how to address this issue in a respectful and efficient way. I would love your script for a conversation around body hygiene and maybe some thoughts on why I feel so much fucking shame around this topic. Thank you so much for everything you do for us listeners. Much love and a happy new year. Yours, Nosy.
1: All right, my darling Nosy, um, thank you for writing this letter. And I think one of the things that drew us to this letter is just this, this topic of hygiene and smells and the ways in which it's so deeply connected to shame because it's so deeply connected totally. to body stuff totally um and just reading this and feeling at least maybe some like um some secondary like anxiety around totally. it of like oh what do you even do in the situation when you are like so put off by the way that somebody smells even though you're like i know this isn't their fault and i like even as you're doing the mental there's many to layers do it, to do it like the this the body reaction to being like but it doesn't smell good right yeah. like
0: you have the for physical sure. reaction you have the culturally conditioned reaction of like
1: mhm
0: um of like sensitivity to our bodily smells and and our bodily functions and also the conditioning to like the the very reasonable conditioning to not want to make someone feel ashamed about it because you know what it feels you know there's yep. lots of going on here and like the desire that you like really like this person except for this this thing (laughs) you know this this (laughs) physical thing that you can't stop yourself from physically experiencing
1: right and adding to that being like am i really going to stop seeing this person because of the way that he smells right are we really gonna break up over a
0: dog i'm seeing a thread here
1: (laughs) (laughs) it feels so shallow or like like a bad person thing to do of being like oh he smells i'm not gonna date him like like mean like school kid type of behavior totally yeah for sure Absolutely.
0: Totally. Um, so it's tricky. It's nuanced. It's like human and complicated. And also, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. I, <laughs> Sam and I were prepping for this episode and I was like, I don't know if I have a script. I don't know if I would, at least not in a new relationship, a very new, couple mm-hmm. dates new. I'm not sh- I don't know. How-, how about this? Transparency. I don't know how I would approach this. Which I would text are, Sam and be like, what the fuck do I do? Yeah, And he would mm-hmm. and I'd tell I'd be like, me. <laughs> <laughs> be like, let's get brunch.
1: <laughs> um, no, and I think it's like, I think it's really hard because thinking about this stuff, things like smell and hygiene are so connected to body stuff, which is like so deeply shameful in so mm-hmm. many ways. And I think our social conditioning around smells mm-hmm. is particularly deep <laughs> mm-hmm. and particularly like hard to not have visceral reactions mm-hmm. to right like and we could even we can intellectualize it and be like why do i think that the smell of lemon smells cleaner than the smell of dirt. i don't know dirt right or even like another another random scent from another random plant right like why do i think that that mint tastes cleaner than cinnamon does Mm. right like why i there's no reason Mm -hmm. there's like no inherent reason for any of those things but it is so quick like it is so visceral to like have that that thing and be like oh i'm so off put by the smell of that 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 person or that that place or whatever it is um and it's really tied to body stuff because it's like Body stuff smells and we're told that our bodies are gross if they smell or our bodies are gross when they do the things that they do, which is sweat, which is poop, which is like bleed, right? Like we are told that those things are really gross and those things are so incredibly tied to smell. And I relate to this because I am also like a very sensitive smeller. Like I, there are scents that I like will give me a panic attack when I smell them in my house. (laughs) Like I just can't filter them out. So I feel deeply with this. Um, and want to just like unpack that this is so challenging because like, even when we want to put on our most enlightened, when we want to put on our most empathetic hat, um, it can be really tricky because it is, it can be so visceral. It can be so like, so shortcutted that we don't even know how to like get back to making the longer road around it.
0: Totally. Uh, funny tangent. I'm reading like a parenting book right now. And one of the things was like, uh, don't uh, tell your baby that their diaper is stinky. <laughs> and I know, I know, but I, but I'm torn because like, I was people like,
1: can't see my facial expressions, <laughs> but I'm like that woman that drank the kombucha. I'm like,
0: mm, yeah, ah, uh, mm, I know ah. I, exactly. Because you're like, I get it. Because you don't want to make them feel ashamed. But I told this to my wife and she was like, we are biologically, Like, evolve to think that feces smell bad so that we don't like eat it. (laughs) Right. Right. And, um, and like all of our shit stinks is what she said. (laughs) And I, so, and I was like, I'll have a very hard time telling not being like you stink (laughs) you know like Mm -hmm. let's go change that and I just thought that was funny because I felt torn because I also feel extreme shame around bodily things my body is a house of shame a shame factory if you will and um so I just thought that was like an interesting tangent for this conversation
1: no for sure yeah. And it's like this, these notions of cleanliness are so deeply tied to like culture and are so like deeply tied to our understanding of like the social hierarchy. Well, of yeah, things. I was
0: like, also going to bring that up of like of of um cl- class and our association that, sure. that people who smell a certain way, like don't shower and don't have access to things or you know what I mean? Like and there's no, an absolutely. elitism in that. So th- this is just such a sensitive topic and or like a a multi-layered topic that it leads me to say, I don't know what to tell you <laughs> mm-hmm. um, other than to analyze it the way Sam and I are. Um, and also to say, I'm not sure this is something I would bring somebody in the first couple dates of or months of knowing someone because it can be so such a sensitive and complicated and nuanced topic, that Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that you don't have a right to process and assess and respond to this stimulus. Do you know what I mean? Like you have a, you know, as Sam said earlier, am I going to break up? Am I not going to like find love with this guy because I don't like the way he smells? Like maybe, maybe, maybe this is a pheromone thing. Maybe this is like your bodies just aren't, Vibin. i don't know i don't know mm-hmm. i this this seems like a compatible okay so like if it's not let's do what we did in the first letter if it's not smell what's a comparable thing you don't like the way his mouth tastes <laughs> bad breath i don't know I'm, what's another like uh you don't uh, is there a comparable thing like I'm thinking about yeah, the senses, know. like you don't like the way um, his voice sounds. Like His voice is like really grinding and, and, and sure. I don't sure. know. So then you're like, okay, do I like him enough yeah. to listen to this voice forever? <laughs> I don't mean, <laughs> Okay, oh, and I, oh, let me just say this. I hope that the flippancy of me making those comments um, doesn't underscore the like first 10 minutes of our response in which we talk about like how complicated and nuanced and sensitive of the subject this is. I'm yep. by n- by no means like making fun of this person's smell. Um, it, we all smell different and all of our shit stinks.
1: For sure. As, as your wonderful wife says, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think that's the question that you have to ask yourself, right? Like I, I don't necessarily think you're a bad person if you are like, I can't do this. um, and I don't think that this is like a thing you need to martyr yourself on right to prove that you're a good person. Yeah. Um I do think that there is space for you to to like figure out how to deal with this smell in a way that like you know you can get to a point maybe where you are able to say things to him um but it does feel like it's kind of early for that
0: right now. Well, I just yeah, it's just so yeah.
1: <laughs> no it is, but like I think uh, and what are some of the things that you can do to help um, like be clear about what your own per- preferences are when it comes to like smells and stuff too. So like yeah. if there's a day that he smells really good, can you tell him that he smells yes. really good? Or like, what cologne are you wearing? Or like, yes. did you use different soap? Because you smell so good, right? Yes. Like that kind of positive reinforcement stuff. Um, But I do think it's it is to a certain extent on us to like learn how to create more expansiveness around the multiple ways that different, bodies and scents and sounds and feels show up totally in the people that we're dating right
0: totally and again
1: I don't mean to say this like if you break up with this man you're a bad person I mean this to say that like there are multiple options available to you yes. here yeah you can decide what you are capable of. and I'm not gonna say comfortable because I would love to push towards discomfort in those yeah. things yeah right as a, like as a learning thing yeah. but I do think like what are you capable of in this moment and is it that you can't date this man who smells like cool. <laughs> like
0: honestly like yeah. I'm not
1: going to judge you for that. Yeah. And is this an invitation to maybe like push through and and sort of expand your own your own understanding of what bodies can smell like and still be attractive? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe it is.
0: I think that's a great perspective um you know just remembering again like the first letter like uh decentering our understanding of things but also making space for what matters to us, you know, Right. Um, and I think like Sam said, there are, I've actually seen a couple, a handful of resources online because in the past we've gotten letters about like this person's breast smells or I, you know, their house isn't as tidy as I want it to be or, or, or how do you deal with hygiene incompatibilities? We've gotten these letters before. So I know that there are resources online, blog posts or whatever about how you can, In addition to having a conversation with an intimate loved one, which I'm not sure this person counts as yet, you know, the ways that you can you can expand your experience with them, like Sam said, encouragement, you know, can you affirm what you do like, you know, can you can you can you lead with curiosity And compassion for both yourself and them. Meaning, are you curious and compassionate about maybe why this smells this way? Right? Like, is it because they have a different hygiene standard than you? Is it because their their living um, environment is this or condition is different? Is it because this is just the way their body is? (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. And also invite that same compassion and curiosity to yourself. Why does this make me uncomfortable? it's and the compassion would be it's okay that it makes me uncomfortable i just need to figure out where my boundaries and my where my authenticity lies
1: right right yep
0: Cool, my darling uh we hope that this helps
1: absolutely thank you so much for writing we love you survivor 46 is here and so is on fire the only official survivor podcast and we have a twist this season the winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. whose pronouns are she, her, who is writing from the honeymoon phase. Hi, Salmon Sierra. That one actually says salmon, like the fish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. First of all, (laughs) I love JVU so much. This podcast has fully changed the way I deal with partnerships and you've given me so much vocabulary and perspective for understanding the way we partner with other humans. I have y'all in the background of my day all the time and listening to the podcast feels like hanging out with two friends. Here's my situation. I'm an almost 22-year-old cis straight woman, and I recently met this guy, 23, he, him, we'll call him Scott. We hit it off instantly and went on a date, and another, and another, until we decided to make things official boyfriend-girlfriend one and a half weeks after our first date. It was so fast, but also felt so right, and it still does keep getting better. We both love traveling, have similar lifestyles, perspectives on life, senses of humor, yet are also healthily different which helps keep things fun and interesting. We both fell for each other so hard so quickly, and it's just been incredible getting to know each other and feeling like I'm finally in a real adult relationship. We're both super communicative. He's very open about his feelings, which is hard to find in men. And everything about him is just so incredibly compatible that neither of us can believe it day after day. We both feel like finding good restaurants and activities in the city, have endless amounts of plans for trips, and for the first time, it's felt like I've met someone whose brain operates super similar to Mm. mine, so we don't just accept each other but truly understand each other. So what's the problem? The thing is, independence is my most defining characteristic, and I thrive on being alone for long periods of time or just doing my own thing. I have a lot of friends and I like keeping a robust social life while also having endless amounts of personal hobbies and projects to work on so I can keep myself entertained for a long time. On the other hand, he's very open to hanging out a lot and doesn't really feel weird spending long periods of time together, whereas I start feeling a little restless and like I need to be left alone. I also have a pretty secure attachment style, whereas he's definitely more anxious We were both on week-long vacations last week, and it was kind of a lot for me when he was texting me every day to check how my day was going Mm. and wanted to FaceTime twice in the six days we were apart. It was sweet, and we were both on more chill getaways, so I didn't have tons to do, but I couldn't help but think that if I was on a more eventful trip, I would maybe want to text a couple of times, call once at the most at that, and then just catch up when we're back so that I could be present where I was. He, on the other hand, said that he wouldn't have wanted to talk less than we did. To top things off, I've recently been processing the fact that one of my parents is a narcissist and has raised me to be wary of relationships, to push people away, Mm. and to prioritize my independence, probably to a fault. I really love me and Scott's relationship, and both of us are so excited to see what's going to come out of it. I don't really have a problem with it moving so fast because it feels so incredibly right, and it's been really mutual, but I have also noticed how hard it is for me to make space for a romantic partner in my life. My most recent relationship got a little codependent at times, and I also grew up in a household where it felt like I was constantly performing. So it's really hard for me Mm. to let go and just be around a partner if they're at my house for a while. Mm. I'm trying so hard to let go of the notion that spending a lot of time with a partner is, quote, a waste. But I've also just been freaking conditioned that way, and I hate it. We both agree that we want to make sure that we're part of each other's lives rather than each other's whole lives. But I know I probably make him a little sad when I tell him that I need a few more days apart from each other. I like him so, so much. We laugh so much together. And I think we're both still freaking out that we have stumbled upon a relationship that is going to be very serious and and hopefully long lasting. When I moved to the city a couple months ago, I was looking to date someone, but I didn't expect things to happen so fast, and it feels like I barely got my life established here, and now I'm making space for a whole other person when I don't even have a proper routine and established social life myself. I can't help but think about the fact that I'm so excited to get married someday, yet I get really restless if my partner is in my vicinity for a long time. This isn't really an issue if we're both going out and doing things like visiting museums or getting food, but if we're spending a long period of time together at either of our houses, I feel like my day has gone to waste, even though I'm having so much fun. Hmm. I'm pushing myself to be more comfortable with him, especially because I feel like I can be really particular about my routines, and I would love if my happiness didn't rely on things going a certain way. But at the same time, I'm not sure how much of this I can let go of since it's such a fundamental part of what makes me feel my best. How can I redefine independence in a way that makes space for partnership? This week I had work off and he lives a little far. So we decided to spend a few days together at my house. And even though we took a few hours to just do our own thing, I still felt a little weird having him there the whole time. How can I get more comfortable with letting go and just being in the presence of a partner? Should I take steps to slow this down until I feel more comfortable with being in a relationship? How do I reframe this so that being in a serious partnership doesn't feel like so much to me?
0: What a fascinating question. Thank you so much, uh, Indy, for writing in. Um, This is going to sound like a joke, but, like, if you're not already in therapy, I think that (laughs) because of Indy's articulateness and, you know, the threads that they're pulling into this letter um, and also, like, the the life lessons, you know, the narcissist parent, the things... You know, the belief that time with somebody feels like wasted time um, mm. and also that the the conflicting feelings of like their independence is what makes them like themselves. Um, I just really think that a therapist would be so wonderful to unpack some of this stuff in, not in like a you're fucked up and need therapy, but like that we all need therapy and could really benefit <laughs> right. from the assistance of somebody helping us parse through the complicated origin stories of ourselves. <laughs> Um mm. <laughs> I know that like we always talk about therapy and it's not accessible to everyone. So obviously take that as you see fit or, or as you can in your life. But that's all I could that's that's like the thought I came away with first, which is just like I would love to hear what a therapist had to sit, I would say about this. Mm. <laughs> Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. without a therapist, I'll turn to the next best thing, Sam Blackwell. (laughs) 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 I'd love to hear your thoughts on this because I think that you, in terms of it interpersonally, might relate to the letter writer more than I do.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I am, um, you know, especially in my 20s, was like really into my independence for sure. Right. Like recently I asked Peter to go to Half Price Books with me instead of on my own. (laughs) And I was like, well, what is happening? This is wild. I that can't believe so that I would cute. rather do this with him than by myself. That is so um, cute of
0: you to share. Did you talk about yeah. it in therapy?
1: <clears throat> no, I didn't. But <laughs> I have therapy right after this. So <laughs> maybe it'll come up. <laughs> it's, it's, Good. Y'all, Sierra's literally eating <laughs> put her out of a jar with a knife right now. Uh, she is like fully pregnant. Um,
0: I wish I could tell you this was a pregnant a
1: pregnant thing no it's it's for sure a no all I, the time thing. No, no
0: it's like an all the time thing but like it's a pregnant thing that i'm doing it on air with you and watching me like i think i would keep this like much more secret it's just sitting on my desk this jar of peanut butter and i want to eat it so i'm gonna do it so sam keep talking
1: <laughs> so if you hear noises moistness from sierra's microphone it's because she's just eating that peanut answer. butter
0: it's delicious
1: um Yeah, no, so I, I relate to a lot of this, um, and this idea of, like, you know, I lived on my own for a couple years before I met Peter, and I, like, really loved living alone, and it was really hard for me to, like, find a way to create space in my mind and in my heart for the idea of, like, we can be together and, like, not have to do things, or, like, that's not a waste of time, even though, like, what was I doing by myself, like, also wasting time, um, (laughs) But I think I relate to this and one of the things that I would just say to you um, is really thinking about the fact that your needs are not unreasonable and his needs are not unreasonable and they might be different and in some ways there might be they might be incompatible but neither of you is asking neither of you is wrong for asking for these things mm-hmm. Um And what I will also say, too, is that um, attachment styles are also a spectrum, too. So you may be both secure in your attachment style, but yours comes off a little bit more avoidant or dismissive and his comes off a little bit more anxious. But like, I don't think it's unreasonable to text someone every day when you're on vacation. And I'm like a pretty avoidant secure attachment style. too. So like... I just want to like create some space to say that like I appreciate that you're doing the self-work of being like, why am I like this? And also want you to create the self-work of saying like, why am I like this? And also this person's asks and what this person wants are as reasonable as the things that I want and the things that right. I'm asking for too.
0: Right. I want to return to the comment about like feeling like a weekend spent with your partner was wasted um, because that word stood out to me. Not that it's not a relatable sentiment or, um, you know, even me who, who is much more dependent and much more socially, I don't know, inept to <laughs> no. know, um, you know, it's more socially dependent on my significant others than what has been described here or what, or what Sam experiences. Um, even I sometimes like when, when somebody's with me, I have a hard time prioritizing what I need what I know will make me feel good, especially when that means sure. time away from them. Um, so I, I understand the sentiment, but I do want to ask you or like maybe ask you to journal or talk with a therapist or a friend about like, what made you, where does that feeling come from? A weekend spent with your partner, where does the feeling that that is wasted time come from? What, what is the story that you're telling yourself? Who right. told you that story first? Um, what are the, I want to know what the core of that thought is. Not that it's a wrong thought, all thoughts are just thoughts, but where is it coming from? Because I think you can learn from that. That was such an interesting thought to me. Um, mm-hmm. have you felt that way before Do you relate to that? Um, uh, n-
1: no, um, but that's because I view all, my entire life as wasting time. So <laughs> yeah, like, it's, yeah, it doesn't yeah. matter if I'm with my partner or yeah, not, like yeah, it's all yeah. a waste. <laughs> I'm always doing less than I should be. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. And may- maybe that's it. Maybe it's like the expectation of yourself or maybe it's your narcissist parent who told you that these relationships are that time spent being witnessed and witnessing someone else is not mm. trustworthy. It's not reliable. Mm-hmm. It doesn't lead to anything good. It only leads to manipulation. This is why I was like, this is Peak therapy stuff because sure. somebody trained, unlike Sam and I, could could help you do like the yarn and pushpin conspiracy theory map in your basement yep. of like, where are these beliefs coming from? And can I challenge any of them? Um, I love that you're independent. I love that this is a part of you that you love that makes you feel strong and makes you feel like your best self. Like When you wrote that, that made my heart swell for you um, mm. because- Because you have that. So I don't want to take that away from you. And also I want to know what the root of this is Um, because there is some, maybe, maybe I'll just say some blanket statements and then you can unpack them in therapy later (laughs) or in your journal or whatever.
1: The tagline uh, of our, of our podcast.
0: Yeah, We'll yeah, make yeah. some
1: blanket statements. You can unpack them in therapy <laughs> later.
0: <laughs> or on Twitter. Um,
1: yeah, there we go. Yeah, yes. Uh, uh,
0: just general thoughts. One, um, uh, your independence and your ability to do things for and by yourself isn't what makes you great. You're great because you are inherently worthy and inherently wonderful right? Like the things that make us feel most like ourselves are wonderful. They're gifts. And also they aren't what make, they aren't what protect us from being hurt. They aren't what Mm. protect us from being unworthy. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Number two, there's nothing wrong with relying on people or letting people see you not be great. I didn't really Mm -hmm. read any of that fear in this, but I think there might be some sort of underlying fear of dependency maybe perhaps no idea Mm -hmm. um we're like
1: this idea of like you're always you're always independent you're always productive you're always doing things and letting someone see what you actually do on the weekends might feel like oh i'm letting people see that i'm not as productive as i as my personality says that i am right like i get that for sure of like this idea of like what does it look like to give people a glimpse behind the the curtain that i've put up about like my ego and my identity and for them to be like, oh, Sam doesn't read as much as he says he does. Right. <laughs> right. right, Like, or like Sam watches way more Netflix than he lets on. Right. <laughs> like that kind of fear for right. sure. No, totally. Of like, what is it like to see the true me, which is like much less
0: active? Yeah. And we're, we're taking leaps here, but like these, this is what our intuition is whispering to us. Um, the last thing I'll say is like the texting example uh, another thought I want to put out into the world is being in partnership with someone and checking in on them, checking in with them once or twice, you know, texting every day is not a threat to your independence and it's not a threat to your ability to be productive or get things done. I think or that... Or present either. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that they that is a reasonable fear like oh my god you exp- i'm on vacation we're touring this thing i'm doing this and you want me to text every day or like you know i've got so much to do but also shifting the perspective a little is that you have a lot of time in the day and even when you're busy you know you can pull out that phone and say something that meets you both in the middle like hey honey we have a really busy day planned today just checking in. I hope you have a wonderful day. I'll talk to you later tonight or I'll talk to you tomorrow. And so I use that as an example because I think it's a it's a perfect illustration of these small sacrifices that don't mean giving up that fucking busy autonomous vacation, right? Or that busy schedule, right? And that don't necessarily mean FaceTiming six hours a day every day, but also validates your needs and validates the partner's needs at the same time.
1: For sure. Absolutely. And like how wonderful that you have someone in your life that you can share these experiences with via text as they happen. Right. Who you get to like have that that immediate partnership and like that you want to be able to tell about the thing that that is happening too. Right. Like it's not an imposition. It can it's also a gift. Right. (laughs) Like. It's also exciting to have someone to check in on you, yeah. right? Like, And I for sure had to learn that of like, wow, that's... oh, I have to one of those talks. But it's like, no, how wonderful it is to have in my life somebody who wants to check on me every yes. day. <laughs> like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like who thinks about me while they're at work and is yeah. like, how's your day going? Like, amazing. Yeah. Like, that's so cool that I have that.
0: Yeah. Another thing that I just want to point out really quickly, too, is something that I learned in therapy is like. Um, overgeneralization is something that my anxiety does when I feel threatened or when I feel like I'm at risk or when I'm not really sure how to handle situations. I go from zero to one eighty, or I say it's not that one person hates me, it's everybody hates me. And I'll point it out in your letter. Um, texting my boyfriend every day would prevent me from being proactive or like busy in my vacation. That would be an right. overgeneralization. I think right. yep. that, that that's, that's okay. That is our anxiety responding to a threat, but we're, we're giving that threat too much power because that's not taking away independence. It's not taking away what you think makes you great. You're still great. You know, mm-hmm. another example of it is you talk about wanting to get married, but that your love of your independence is going to prevent that type of partnership that I understand the line of thinking of that. And I think it's a valid self-reflection, but also maybe you're overgeneralizing by assuming that independence means you can't have a marriage, you know, (laughs) like (laughs) I think that that feels like, you know, when we, when we pull back, we can see that that's a really big leap that anxiety is making you take or something.
1: For sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, What i also say is this, is the, it it is okay to be uncomfortable in a relationship, right? Like, here's what I'm not saying when I say that. (laughs) I'm not saying that it's okay to be unsafe in a relationship, right? But often we conflate unsafe with uncomfortable and uncomfortable is a good thing, can be a good thing. Unsafe is not a good thing. And what I'm not saying is that that means you need to be uncomfortable all the time. Right. It doesn't mean that you constantly have to be growing or you have to be constantly the one to make sacrifices or change. But what I am saying is that it is okay to be uncomfortable in relationships because we are learning how to do new things with new people. Mm -hmm. Right. Of course you're feeling restless and feeling a little bit unmoored when this this other animal is in your house for days on end. Right. Mm -hmm. Like it's disruptive. It is changing the way that you know how to function. It is a completely different circumstance than you are used to. So like, yeah, you're going to feel uncomfortable. You might feel restless. You might not know the right routines that you need to do in order to take the alone time that you need or to put enough sort of psychological or emotional distance between you two to recharge. Like this expectation of, or this idea that like, Oh, Oh, I'm uncomfortable right now. This means that like this relationship isn't working or that like everything needs to change is, is, is a fallacy that we tell ourselves because often we're so not used to discomfort. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: so like, what does it look like to say like, yeah, I am uncomfortable right now because this man is staying in my house for four days. Mm -hmm. And this is the first time we've been around each other for this long. So I'm learning what it looks like to do this. I'm not perfect at it yet, right? Because this is the first time I've done it. But I know and I trust that I want this to be happening. That this is a goal of mine to like find a way to be in more close relationship with this person and that this is part of the discomfort or this discomfort is part of what it means to grow this discomfort is part of what it means to learn more about myself and about him and how our relationship can work this discomfort is telling me that something is different and i get to decide whether or not i like that difference yeah but the discomfort is not telling me i'm doing something wrong the discomfort is not telling me that this isn't working. It's just telling me that I have something to pay attention to. Right. And whatever that is, good or bad, can lead you in the direction of your goal, which sounds like you really like this guy. sounds like you are trying to figure out how you can marry your independence and marrying this man. <laughs> right. Like. Right. So, yeah, there's going to be discomfort in that because it's like it's growing. It's yep. it's, it's incompatibilities. Figuring out where it fits. Right. It's like. You're trying something new. So I know that like this learning process, especially for me, was a little tricky around like, oh, this is weird. Why are we spending so much time together? It feels like a threat. Right. And sort of leaning into the idea of like, I'm safe and I'm uncomfortable, Mm. what is this discomfort trying to tell me? Mm -hmm. Is it telling me that, like, I need to try something different? Is it telling me that this is not the relationship for me? Or is it telling me that, like, ooh, I'm growing and I'm learning something, and, like, that's exciting and also a little bit scary, right? How can you lean into the idea that discomfort isn't a one-size-fits-all emotion that tells you something's awful Mm. or bad, Mm -hmm. but that it is just trying to tell you something about what's happening around you?
0: I love that. I think that's super empowering. And you know what, Sam and I don't know this relationship. So at the end of this, at the end of this, if you're like, this relationship doesn't feel good to my autonomous self, then then Great. that's you. That's your body. Um, we we trust it. your intuition and we just hope some of these thoughts help you along your decision-making process.
1: Absolutely.
0: All right, my darling, thank you so much for writing.
1: We love you. All right, everyone, this brings us to the blind date segment of our episode. This is when we try and set you up with something that we think you're really going to like. This week, we want to send you home with...
0: It is an Instagram account, which is how I found it, but it's very... It's more of like an online space YouTube channel um, called Special Books from Special Kids. Have you seen this? No. Um, So it was started maybe three or five years ago. I don't remember from their origin story. um, By a teacher like uh, of ch- children with various um disabilities like autism or traumatic brain injury etc and um they he found such success in this classroom and he wanted to start this project where each kid got to write a book about their experience from mm-hmm. their perspective to educate people basically in their origin story they were like we quickly realized that like no publisher would publish all these books (laughs) so they started making YouTube videos um, interviewing people, uh, his students and then eventually people from all over the world um, who were, um, who have all different backgrounds Um, they they say that they're a space where disabled and neurodiverse people get to share their story and I like Came across this Instagram, I don't know, a couple months ago. And I've like, the truth is I've like slowly fallen in love with it. The more I see of it, the more I end up looking, you know, watching the interviews more like it was a slow love story. And now I just think that they do such cool work um, because the interviews are all like person focused, um, and family focused. Um, and it's incredibly diverse. Like They do such a great job of really just, I mean... It just is, it's awe-inspiring, the diversity in the human experience and the daily reminder that this online platform gives me that like everybody, everybody experiences the world differently, has a different body, has a different um, neuro-functioning, et cetera. And I also really appreciate that they've expanded it from um, seen and unseen disabilities. They... Uh, cover mental conditions, um, uh, like mental health disorders, things like that. So it's all about people who just might f- um, operate differently than you, the viewer, right? Telling sure. their story and telling um, what they wish that they, how people approach them, you know? And I also yeah. love that it's predominantly children. <laughs> it's not, it's it's people sure. of all like ages, um, etc. cetera. Uh, but I love that it gives young kids who might feel like they're different an opportunity to feel really loved and supported by a, 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 a global community, um, and we get a chance to learn from their experience as well. So this is—I found them on Instagram at Special Books by Special Kids. Their website and their YouTube series tells a little bit more and provides like weekly new weekly interviews. Um,
1: awesome! I love it. Uh,
0: yeah, you should check it out. I—I I, I found it um, really really lovely.
1: I love it. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. You can like us on Facebook and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Just Break Up Pod.
0: And slide into our DMs. Send us your favorite relationship memes. But Most importantly, you can submit your questions about all matters of the heart at JustBreakUpPod.com, which is also where you can find our merchandise and tickets to our March 6th live show um, happening at, I think you said, 2 p.m. Central, 3 p.m. Eastern. And make sure to join us on our Instagram this Sunday if you're listening in real time a little Valentine's Day late brunch Instagram live February 13th on our Instagram at Just Breakup Pod.
1: Please remember to follow us, subscribe, leave us a five-star rating and review wherever you get your podcasts and consider supporting us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon for as little as $5 a month, you'll get an additional bonus weekly episode. That's patreon.com slash justbreakuppod. This literally keeps the mics on and helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers, giving them relationship advice.
0: Just Breakup Up is a production of Duvid Media, original music, recording, editing, producing all magical things by our good friend Spencer Worth Davis, aka Big Cats. Make sure to check out his brand new podcast, Finding Quantum Quest, wherever you listen. And remember... You might feel like you are facing a big and impossible decision. But remember, you make decisions every day. Even on the days you don't feel like you do, you have intuition. You have that inner stir. And most importantly, all of the decisions you make, you make with courage. Lean into those feelings. Listen to that inner stir. Find that authenticity and know that you can always change and grow as you go. And... If all else fails
1: Just break up